Whew. All right, let me okay. stretch a little bit. Mm. Get that. Get that cat cow. Cat uh, cow. Cat cow. Cat cow. Oh, wait, I did the cow when I was supposed to cat. I'm Isaac. And I'm Nadia. And welcome to the table where everyone gets to take a seat. Hello, Nadia. Hello, Isla. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm like really, really exhausted. And I feel like we always are We're always <laughs> on this podcast. But um, yeah, I don't know. Things have just been really busy. Things have been taken off in the workspace. So I feel like both of us are super, super busy with work right now. Yes, it's really wild. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we should get updates. I think we should get updates the next time. Okay. Because the next time I will have <laughs> really good up- updates. What if about. the next time I have really bad updates? Will we get okay. to skip it then? No, no, no. Yes. I don't really have any kind of update right now. You know, like work is just regular. So we should wait and then we should also just hope. <laughs> this is, can you hear my anxiety coming out? I just got <laughs> nervous for something that probably won't even happen. Right. Whew. Okay. Next time we'll give updates yes. about the workspace. Otherwise, how's your mind? How's my mind? It's good. Know what's not good? <laughs> what? CoStar. Okay, listen. <laughs> that app has disrespected me more times this week <laughs> than anything, than anyone, than any, you know, one task that I've even had at work. That app has really come for me. And I'm kind of afraid to look at it right now. <laughs> I mean, I looked at it because we kind of had this discussion on the way here. We were like, CoStar, <laughs> really be coming for people. It's terrible. And if y'all don't know what CoStar <laughs> is, it is an app that does astrology messaging. But it sends you like a daily message kind of like to check in and see what's yeah. going on about your day. But it will tell you like a task or something about yourself that you did not know that you needed to check for. It's also great because if you don't, already have your birth chart it'll have your whole birth chart so that when you're looking at memes Mm -hmm. you'll actually be able to like you know pick out (laughs) specifically like what you are in venus and like like whenever that becomes relevant to the meme this is very important for your meme game yes it is it is so just i'm just saying co-star is is rude but it's very helpful (laughs) it is very helpful and sometimes co-star is like scream into a pillow truly yeah like i think what did mine say don't like, what did it say today? It was something about interpersonal relationships. But it was like, don't make any bad judgments in interpersonal relationships. And I was like, that seems very <laughs> pointed. What have I done wrong? <laughs> um, Mine said, stop controlling other people. When have I ever controlled another human being in my whole 28 years in this life? <laughs> I am a free spirit. I am a bird. (laughs) I don't control anything. Not even, like, I can't even control my own emotions. (laughs) Like, I can't control. So I feel like that was rude of CoStar. To make that assumption. To make that assumption without even checking in with me. (laughs) Right. Let's have a chat, CoStar. Conversation is all I'm asking for. (laughs) I honestly just want to, like, at CoStar sometimes and be like, yo, why are you doing this to me? Like, do they have a Twitter account? Do they have social media? They probably media? do. I wonder what their social media they looks have, like. Um, they have Instagram. Mm, let me check it Because they're out. fun. Yeah, that's the fun one to use the app to then, like, be able to identify. Because they'll be like, Gemini's be like, 
Um, <laughs> oh, no. Or, or they'll be like, uh, your response to a bad date, and it'll have the responses for each sign. And then it'll be like, check your moon. And then you check it. And then that's your, you know, that's what your typical response would be to like a bad date. It's pretty good. It's mm, pretty good. I, I would definitely follow, follow them on Instagram. I don't know if they have a Twitter, but I'm. I assume they do. I don't know. I would assume. Probably do like, I'm going to check all the social medias. I'm anyway, this is not us <laughs> endorsing CoStar. Absolutely we not. We just love the app. I just want it's really good. to hear that CoStar also reads other people because I just feel like it's not fair. Right. <laughs> this treatment that I've gotten. I feel like a good Instagram account that we should create if we were to become content creators on the internet. Okay. Okay. Other than this podcast. Right. Right. Is. One thing. A. Instagram that's mm-hmm. solely invested in just showing responses of people who are responding to their co-stars. Oh, wow. I feel like that is a gem. That probably exists. No, it doesn't. I came up with it. It's mine. I'm going to trademark it tomorrow. Wow, that was a lot of emotions that you went through. I did. In that moment. But that's, I guess, like <laughs> our whole check-in. Yes, it is. That's our whole check-in. That is our whole check-in because we check in to do what? Prepare for our podcast, Nadia. <laughs> that, is like, that is the answer. To do what? Hmm. So, it felt like a really bad pop quiz, and I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so today, yes, I want to let the people who are listening know. Something new? Something that we always do. Oh, tell me about it. They're called segments. Hmm, what's a segment? A segment is a thing that we do on this podcast, and the first one happens to be called Dig In. Oh, what happens during Dig In? We usually talk about a topic of the day, which is, we're talking about So You Think You Want to Talk About Race. What is the name of the book? So You Want to Talk About Race. Let's talk about race. That's literally what we're going to do today. We're going to talk, talk about, about it. Race. Yeah, based on it. that book, yes. obviously. Because she's coming to Seattle very soon. Ijeoma Oluo. I love her. I love her too. Have you ever seen her speak? Yes. I have. Okay, let's get into that during Dig In, because I just realized we're not at the segment yet. We're just talking about the fact that there will be a segment. Yes, and that is the segment that we're going to talk about because we're <laughs> super excited to talk about we're it. We're so excited, and I cannot wait to just share our love for this wonderful human soon. Right. And then the next part is, who made the chicken sandwich? Because I forgot to change the name for the last one. Oh. But we still need to talk about the fact that we have not had this chicken we sandwich. We haven't had a chicken sandwich, but I feel like this week they had to bring something different. And I think maybe, like, let's just decide they brought... Oh, wow. I can't think of a single item that somebody could bring. I've been making cornbread a lot lately. Is that weird that I thought cornbread, but then I was like, mm, we've had cornbread, like, before. But, I mean, you can always bring more cornbread. Okay, but is this from, like, the sugary sweet type? or? Uh, I don't know, because you know I'd be fucking with this sugary sweet. I know you do. Uh, I said it for you. I know. Maybe we should have, like, <laughs> more corny cornbread. Okay, it's a corny cornbread, because we were just at the state fair, where yes. we ate corn. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're not that funny. Okay, and then what is the last segment, Isaac? Please tell me. <laughs> can I get a to I go just late? Can't wait. Can I get a to go late? What's that about? What's it's, her name? <laughs> What's her secret? Uh, where you're supposed to get a to go plate, right. but you can't say it correctly, so you get a to go late. Right, because you're just so excited about the contents of the plate. You're right, which is. Yeehaw, Daniel. Yeehaw. Can't wait to talk about that one. 
now I think we're ready to dig in. We are ready to dig in. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about race. But let's talk about race based off of mm. Ijeoma Aluo's Beautiful. book. Beautiful. So you want to talk about race. So you want to talk about race. Which I recently finished. I don't know why I didn't read it when it earlier came out. I just felt that I, I don't know if I felt like I was above it or <laughs> it wasn't important to the work I was doing at the moment. Wow. But it was really important when it was free and it was located on a bookshelf in my office. And I was like, I should read that book. I mean, at least you're now reading it. I think it came out, what, like two years ago? Mm-hmm. And um, and she actually came to a conference that I was at. Oh, amazing. Um, and spoke about it then. And then also gifted everybody a book in the audience. Oh, wow. Like, and it was a big conference. So, like, she gifted a lot of books. Um, and so then I read it then. And I remember reading it while I was in Nigeria. That, that was my first trip to Nigeria. Um and it was a really interesting thing to talk about with, like, my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if we're really getting into it, but I'm already getting into it. I mean, but, like, yeah. <laughs> I remember talking about it with my mom because I, you just finished it. So mm-hmm. there is a portion of it where she's talking about her relationship to her white mother. Yes, And yes. how it's hard to talk about race with your mom and how they, being white mothers will say certain things while you're having these conversations about race that like just are the things are the exact things that you're like trying to fight against are the exact things that you hear from other white folks that like drive you up the wall like those things are often said from your white mother when you talk about race so you just don't even want to approach it because like the thought of it is like god if it's hard educating people who i don't know and i don't care about and then suddenly you have to educate your mother. Like, I remember reading that chapter and being like, oh, fuck. Like, I've been avoiding having this conversation with my mom, like, my whole life. Like, I've never, I've never tried, I never had tried until that point to talk about race with my mom because I was, like, almost in the camp of lost cause. Like, mm-hmm. it was, I was a little too close to it. And knowing that she was well-intentioned and knowing that she's, like, one of the most loving humans in the world and that she just has learned a lot of things that she needs to unlearn, I was still like, uh, you know, maybe she's just set in her ways and I can't actually have a meaningful conversation with my mom about my blackness and how she knows nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least doesn't know the experience of it. And um, and then I gave her that book because <laughs> I had two copies because <laughs> I bought one and then I had another. Um, so then I told her that I wanted her to read it and that, eventually we would be able to have a conversation about race. But um, but yeah, no, that was an interesting experience because I was like, oh, wow, this book is set up so well to educate white people mm-hmm. about race and from the lens of somebody who's always having to educate but like is trying to offer up some materials for you to better understand it without having to labor in front of you. Like, it, it's just very interesting. Like, it's exactly the perspective that I would have wanted her to read. Right. Not, like, something heavy. Like, I wanted, like, foundational. Like, this is how you approach all of these conversations. Um, and then, like, as told by a black woman who has a white mom. Like, it couldn't have been a better setup. Right. <laughs> for me. So that was, I really, that was, like, my first, that was my initial experience with that book. Right. And so I basically started reading it because... um there was, a, like, a lot of stuff going on in the news about her being doxxed and, like, her children. And, like, the thing that's really scary is, like, so Aluo lives in Seattle. She still lives in Seattle. 
And she's from Seattle, and most of the story and the information that she, like, brings out is based in Seattle. Yeah. So you're like, oh, <laughs> this is not only relevant. Mm-hmm. It's relevant, relevant. Because it's, like, it's like relevant, relevant. <laughs> they say, like, she'll mention things, like, about Seattle, and I'll be like, I know exactly what she's talking about. Oh, yeah. I don't even have to think twice about it. I know exactly where I need to go where this shit will happen to me. Right. Like, it's really, really wild. Really, like even the um, she talks about an airport, mm, an airport that has a safari themed restaurant called the African Lounge, <laughs> like literal animal print everywhere. Nothing on the menu is African. Nothing on the menu is African. They call it like a zebra burger, right? Lion nachos, like truly. And I was like, wow, that's a crazy airport. Went to SeaTac, that was the airport, it, it, <laughs> and I was like, oh. Something that happened in a book is appearing in front of me. Like, oh my gosh, is it here too? And we realized, no, no, it was here. This is the example. Like, she lives here. Right. This is, yeah. This is and dumb. it was, <laughs> I remember there was like a point in the book where she talks about a park where she like had this like a black <laughs> gathering in this park. And I was like, mm, I wonder what park it is. And they were like, there was basketball courts in the park. And I was like, oh shit, that shit is Cal, Cal Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was, was like, like... I'd be sitting there sometimes. <laughs> like, yes, this is a good park. I love that park. It's a good park. Yeah. It's nice and it's park. real white. And when you disrupt it with blackness, there is a lot of black people on that basketball court. There's so many black people. Like, so much so that anytime I've ever been at the park, it's like, oh, my God, there's a lot of black people here on that court. On that and court. And then, like, it's on so separate, too. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I don't, no matter who you are, I feel like if you have gone to Cal Anderson in the evening, like, that's one of the first things you notice. You're like, oh, there's so many black people on that people. basketball court. But, yeah, so reading it has been really useful because, um, a lot of people who write about race are some like somehow like from Seattle or the Seattle area. We have like Dr. Kinde who wrote like Stamped from the Beginning and like this recent book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Mm-hmm. Then you have Ijoma Aluo uh, who is like writing So You Want to Talk About Race. And then you have like Robert uh, Robin D'Angelo, who mm-hmm. writes all of the books about white fragility. And they're all based in Seattle. And I'm just kind of like, Okay, I'm going to read about these people (laughs) who are all based in Seattle and get all these different kinds of perspectives. But I think it's really important that we start with Aluo because she is really giving you the foundation and the work of how to have these conversations and have them well Mm -hmm. from a white perspective. But also, I feel like I learned a lot from the book in like specific chapters, like the one about like Asian American folks. Like I was just like, "Ooh, (laughs) this is heavy. Like, right. this is really desegregated data that I never would have dived into mm-hmm. because I'm always, like, the the most privileged population in Seattle is, like, Asian-American people, specifically yeah. Chinese um, Chinese and Japanese-Americans. And so I was just like, uh, they can't, like, there's no reason to, like, work with them or, like, work around these issues. But then when you think about it and, like, really break it down, like, there's a high Pacific Islander um, population here, and they are more disproportionately impacted than any other race yeah. in our city. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like that was really helpful for me. But we can dive into it. I have questions that I'm just like completely forgetting about. That's okay. I feel like our, the book was just so exciting that we just had to get a few things out. <laughs> We're like, and now we can actually focus. So with – we kind of like touched on this a little bit, but with – Aluo being a Seattle native. Yeah. Do you feel like Aluo? Do you feel like you're going through the things in the oh book every day? Well. She works in the tech. The, that's she the talked thing. about the tech industry a yes. little bit. Like she's literally you. 
She literally <laughs> came to Amazon, my first job, mm-hmm. and talked about her journey through tech as a Nigerian American who has a white mom. So I was like, oh. <laughs> and the conversations that she would have, like, with her coworkers and, like, just the kind of, like, pushback she would get and the way that they would just very, like, I don't know, like, tech has it. I mean, like, most industries, I would say, has its own way of, like, telling you, like, you're too black. Like, mm-hmm. they have their own language for it. They just come up with different things, and then they put that in there, but they're really just saying you're too black. And so when she talked about that entire experience, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not the only one experiencing this. Like, this is this is mm-hmm. tech. Like, everybody's like, oh, tech, so progressive, so cool. You won't have any problems there. It's so youthful, right? <laughs> like, all, like, young people have all the, the answers. Youthful. <laughs> youthful. <laughs> But like, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely f- could relate. Like, I don't know if I felt like her, but I could definitely relate to her on um, like the specific scenes that she kind of unfolded about mm-hmm. workplace stuff, um, and even her reason for like leaving tech and and writing and writing in, like about race specifically is it's very relatable as far as like my writing goes in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I feel like the same way. I think I read it and I was thinking about like, what does it look like to do equity work in like systems in general? Like I work in human services, adjacent work and like other stuff that involves like legislative pro- like um, progression and like stuff like that. And it's so hard to like show up with my race like forward. Like I always right. do it because it's like, oh, Isaac, it's really, really great that we have somebody on staff who's like black. And I'm, like, the only black, like, adult staff member. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, I notice that shit every day. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that there's only one person of color on our senior senior management team. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're not black. And I'm like, ooh, this is real awkward. Like, this is really uncomfortable. And I still have to navigate it. I still have to be good at everything that I do. Probably twice as good as what... I'm at like what everybody else is like expecting of me. And then on top of it, I'm also like, hey, you're like the chair of the racial equity committee and you need to also hmm. do this work, but we're not gonna pay you any extra money right. to labor in this like field. And like, so reading this book was like part of my racial equity commitment. And I was like, let me figure out how to finesse my way into some more money by like b- figuring out how to have these conversations in this white-ass space right. about black-ass shit. And so it's it was helpful, but at the same time, I kind of left with, like, a lot of questions of, like, how did these conversations go? How many times do I have to have these conversations before there's, like, results? Or, like, what do these conversations look like in, like, very specific settings? Like, I know I can talk and have interpersonal connections with somebody and, like, have these conversations and, like, get results. But, like, what does it look like when I'm working with somebody who has power over me? Or, like, what does it look like when I'm, like, trying to, like, argue for more pay? Or, like, what does it look like in, like, specific settings that I think that, like, Aluo could really write a whole nother book about, like, so you want to talk about race in the workplace. Or so you want to talk about race, like, in your community. Or so you want to talk about race in schools. Like, I feel like there's, like, one-offs everywhere. I definitely think like this book was definitely more about how to start this conversation and how to open it up the space for the conversation. Not necessarily, well, I mean, none of it was specifically like where the conversation 
has to go, right? right? You know, it wasn't very prescriptive and also, like, wasn't, like, these are specific scenarios that, I don't know, I think, because it was, it was definitely tailored far more for, like, educating white people than it was educating black people. But then sure. I feel like, as a black person reading it, it was like, I'm so glad... It was more like community for me than like educational, right. right? It's like, yes, like we all go, like, because especially with the storytelling element, like, yes, we go through that. We've all experienced that. And then it was like, okay, so now that we have this story, this is what we should be able to do in a conversation about it. Um, and so then that step-by-step step was like affirming for me, like, okay, good, I have been doing that, like uh, the right way or, oh, I could say that in that way to make it sound less pointed or, you know, like, mm -hmm. so it was a little bit strategic, but I think it was just... I think it was a it's a better resource as far as like education materials for white people. Um, yes, I think and yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do. So you want to talk about race with Isaac and Nadia <laughs> right now? Oh wow! Okay, let's do it. So, first question: hmm. How do you approach conversations about race? Wow! With who? <laughs> like, first like, first of all, give me the audience. I'm a communication strategist. So, oh my gosh. Um, the audience can be, let's do today a stranger okay. who bumped into you while you were at the bus stop. Okay. And they were like, like bumped into you and didn't say excuse me, mm -hmm. but they were white. Mm-hmm. And you don't have time. And you're frustrated. And they kind of made you fall over a little bit. Okay. So I'm, so, so. There's an assumption being made in this scenario. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that because they bumped into me, we're going to have a conversation about race? No. Okay. The the thing was, they bumped into you, uh -huh. and they didn't say sorry. Right. And clearly, it's a white man. Okay. And obviously, the next steps <laughs> are how you going to bump into me and not say excuse me. Right, right. When I know you bump into other people and say excuse me, is it because I'm black? <laughs> Okay, so is that how you approach it? I think so. Because if someone mumped me, I would, first of all, give them a death glare. <laughs> like, you've never seen before. And generally, that prompts some kind of next reaction from person who bumped me. Sometimes a, oh my God, I'm sorry, because they've seen my face. <laughs> and they know that I'm about to go off. Or sometimes it's like, what? And then I'll say, how are you going to bump me and I'll say, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> to quote Isaac Sanders, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> and, and this person who bumped me would probably be like, you know, give me a break. You know? Because <laughs> I feel like that's what they do. Like, oh, life is so hard for me. Give me a break. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I'd be like, well, certainly, if you would have bumped into that guy over there, points to white guy. <laughs> Point. You would have said, excuse me. You you see a difference? <laughs> so I like to make them do a little work. I like to quiz people. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm trying to get across. <laughs> to answer this question, like, how do you approach conversations with race? Like, I've learned over time to kind of not play dumb, but ask questions to get them to get to the answers that I feel like they need to be reflecting on. Yes. And so instead of just being like, oh, you're going to bump into me because I'm black and I, like you wouldn't do that to that person over there, I would be like, let's figure out what went wrong in this situation. Like, why did you feel like 
you could disrespect me in this way? Exactly. Did you feel like it was disrespectful? Do you understand why it is disrespectful? Why do you feel like you can just brush it off? And really, like, have that person answer those questions. I do it, like, more often than I'd like. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think I've always been really direct about it. And um, I'm going to give another scenario. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're in a meeting that's been called. There's an adjourning of people. Ooh, okay. How many people? And, mm, let's say seven. Ooh, okay. It's a, it's a big meeting. You walk into the room. Mm, first caveat. Okay. The meeting is about the equity work that you've been working on. Damn. You <laughs> walk into the room. Okay. The people on the phone are all people of color. Okay. There's okay. about like two people on the phone. Okay. The rest of the five people are all white people. In the room. In the room. Two people on the phone. Who are people of color. They're remote. They're remote. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> and you've walked into this room. Okay. And you sit down. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, there's technical difficulties with the phone. Can we ask you to answer for all of the people of color on the phone in the agency Excuse at this moment? Excuse you? First question. <laughs> Did you assume that I synced with the other two people on the call prior to this meeting? You know, give them a little out. <laughs> Did you? I'm putting my white people hat on right now. Please put They'd it say, on. Oh, well, no, like, I don't assume that you're going to, like, talk to them beforehand. But I think that you have enough information to tell us, like, how to move forward with this project. I do not have enough information to move forward with this project unless I have everyone present in order to do so. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it. Let it sink in. Let it sink. Because I, you know what the thing about white people is that they want to keep pushing through to assert that they've made the right call. Exactly. Like, they're going to keep being like, well, we really, like the next thing that they would say would be like, well, we really need this to, to make this quick this decision quickly mm -hmm. and so because they aren't available right now not available because our technology is failing them they exactly. are not available and um so we just need to make a decision in the room and i'd like you to make a decision so then i think after that point i would say i would like to um take something offline because it's a big, it's like five people, right? It's like five white people in the room. Right. So I would say I would like take this offline and talk to whoever was the most senior in the room um, and explain to them that a racial occurrence has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I would say oh, something no. like, I feel like there was some racial tension because white people love hearing racial tension, but they hate hearing that person racist. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to... So, <laughs> this may or may not have been a hypothetical that's real. I knew that it was real. Yeah, you knew it was real. Because because it just it sounded like something that could happen to you. Also, to everyone. In general. Like, if you're a person of color who works in any kind of field that's administrative, like, like direct yeah. service folks also have to go through this in some kind of capacity. But you get hit with, like, more of this, like, and uh, like I don't know what to do, like kind of thing. It's like, oh, I don't have power to change this scenario, or I'm working with this client who like doesn't get it, or is like being impacted by racism, and there's nothing I can do as a person to like really like shift that environment for you. 
Right. Then you hit middle management and you're like, okay, so like I can do a little bit and I can have these conversations, but I'm not like the person who's going to be like in the boardroom like, so you know that's racist and this is how we're going to change the whole company because this whole entire system is built on racism. Right. And like we need to shift it. But you can be like, this is racist and I'm going to make my team work in a better environment, in a better system that's more communicative and like not racist. Right. Then you are like the senior person who's like, this is racist. And then the ED is like, nah fam, this is how professionalism works. So it can be racist, but we still need to make this stuff work. So go lie to your workers and say that we're working on it. But in reality, we're not doing anything. I feel like just by saying it's not racism, it's professionalism. Racism is professionalism. So that's the same thing. It's like, that's like, you just replace one word for another. Loop. Um... Thank you for explaining that to all of us. And I just feel like if the upper, like if the leaders actually really wanted to change things, they would. They actually would. Like leaders have more power than they actually want to give themselves credit for because they also like to come off as like, I can't make any decisions unilaterally unilaterally because we're a team whenever they have to actually make a big decision. Right. <laughs> like, that is, like, a, a perfect example of how to lead. Like, decide that you won't have a racist organization. Decide that. Because you don't have to do all the work to then transform your organization. You just have to supply the funds. Exactly. To bring in the right resources, which you can do because you're in charge of that. So, like, if it really mattered to you, you would do it. Mm-hmm. But it just never happens because the right people aren't in those positions. And usually they're white people. Like, there just are not enough people of color, specifically black people, in leadership positions. Like, they're not even in middle management most of the time. So, Mm -hmm. like, how are you going to, like, penetrate that wall and then actually make anything really happen? It's, um, I don't know how we got here, but. We're here. That's uh, that's kind of. So, So, like, for that reason, like, that's why I feel like when you ask about like my approach to having conversations about race, I kind of like, I'm direct. I have them answer questions, but then I kind of leave it there because I don't know. I feel like I, I, when I know who the powers that be are, mm-hmm. um, I reserve my energy because I'm not going to just like shout into the wind. Right. Like I've already done this with multiple organizations and I have never found that leadership is responsive. I find that they are actually just, they have, like, a line that they like to say, and they repeat it over and over again, and then they promise you that they're going to make some kind of change after you're gone. Very convenient that they can't start that work until you're gone, and then nothing changes. Mm. So, mm. I don't know. So I, I approach, con- especially in the workplace, I would say, in the workplace, conversations about race, like, I'm not being paid to have conversations about race. When I interviewed, I never said I was going to have a conversation about race with anybody. I said I was going to do communication strategy. So, like, it's not my job to talk about race at work. And so I just kind of, like, I look almost like, oh, I have no idea. Like, I kind of have this idea, like, this look on my face, like, I'm so lost. I couldn't possibly answer this question so nobody relies on me to talk about race. That's and then if they ask my opinion directly, like, I say something extremely bold and then they usually get uncomfortable and then we move on. I think that's, like, 
like I hear that and I like feel some type of way because it's like we work with so many black and brown like young people in like the job that I'm in and like just like the like realm that I'm in like the most people who are like impacted by foster care and homelessness are like black and like the other population that's more impacted by that are indigenous folks. So it's like just knowing that information. I'm like, if we're not talking about this and not centering this, then we're not doing this stuff right. Right. And so I get really frustrated because I end up being like in the corner screaming like, Black Lives Matter. Oh my gosh, we need to care about indigenous women who are like being raped and like attacked at like higher rates and like talking about all these statistics and people are being like, mm, well, like we have to make sure that we like incorporate LGBTQ folks and like really incorporate. I'm like, okay, so let's talk about black trans women who are dying, like who are getting murdered at like a disproportional rate in like this country. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, like, that's not what I was thinking about when I was talking about LGBTQ folks. I'm like, well, you should start intersectionality thinking about it. Re- you is should real. Start thinking about it. Like, it's so wild, but regardless, hmm. how would you want white people to approach you about conversations around race? I would like them not to. Mm, I would part. like them to not approach me about conversations about race. I actually recently was asked. Um, to be uh, to be in the working group, not like it wasn't like they came to me like let's be like can you be in the working group for like our diversity equity and inclusion group at work, but it was like it came up and it was like oh and if you would like so it wasn't I didn't feel some type of way about it but what I why I wanted to bring it up was because I like immediately was like I don't think so I'll think about it but I don't think so because I knew that like at this time in my life like I don't want to put in that energy um, for these white people like I just. Like I'm gonna go to meetings and and listen in just to see what the conversation is, and I will support like as far as like a contributing voice in the room, but like I'm not gonna do work Mm-mm. for white people, um, and that felt good because normally I'd be like yes, but yeah, in that moment I truly in my heart was like yeah no I don't think so, it's not what I'm gonna do right now. That may change, but I yeah it was. It was nice because I think right now I just don't want to have conversations about race with white people at all. Right. Um, I yeah. raise you that to say that the only way that I want to have conversations with race, like about race, are like have white people co- like come, come to, to me. you. Yeah. They need to come with money. They need to come with whole, cold <laughs> hard cash. I don't have time to talk to you about like what's going on in your life or like what's going on with like. Oh, I feel really guilty about the way that I showed up in this scenario and I made somebody like somebody called me racist and I feel really, really bad about it. Isaac, please tell me how I'm not racist or please tell me how to work harder. You can pay me and I'll tell you whatever you want. I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm. I want <laughs> Like, coin. I just realized as you were saying that, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, I want to be paid. And then when, as soon as you told me what the question was that they could ask me, I was like, I don't want to be paid. Like, I don't want to be paid. Like, I just don't. I want you to read a book. Like, uh, that's what I want you to do. I want you to read a book. I'm not going to write it because there are a lot of good ones out there. That already exist. That I already literally exists. named five. You could Google best books to read about whatever, like intersectionality, like whatever the word is, put it in there, and then pick one of those books. You don't even need to ask me what books to read. Like, Mm-mm. it's just too available. And why, like, like and I'm not going to be nice. Like, so if you pay me, I'm just going to say something rude to you. <laughs> I might point you in the I'll probably point you in the right direction because I always have, you know, good facts. But right. right, like it's like I'll provide you with the resources because that's just who I am after I get paid, but I'm not gonna be nice. So you might as well just Google it. Like leave me out of the conversation. 
It's real though. Like I'm I'm so tired of white people just like talking to me about like, oh, is there something I should read out of this book? Oh, is there something that I need to like do better? And I'm like, yes, but only if you care about it. Like if you, if you really are invested it. into it, then go ahead and do that. But don't ask me to help you go through a process that you actually are not invested in and you don't think is like going to a better society. Like there is so many people in this world who are white who do great things. Around race. Mm -hmm. Because they care about it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you're just doing it to check off a box, like, don't fucking talk to me. Don't say shit to me about it. Because I'm not going to help you unless you're going to give me money. And then when you pay (laughs) me, it's going to be a ridiculous amount of money because reparations is a real ass thing. And I'm not about to open my mouth for nothing less than $1,000. I just feel like the Aries in you just jumped out. It really is And you were like, you just went full force. Uh, (laughs) On that fictitious white person. Look, like, we're mad. <laughs> damn, Susie didn't know. Susie didn't know. <laughs> Becky it was is. like, "Let me let, hold on. Can you tell me about what intersectionality means?" I'm like, "You can read a book. You can read a book. Get out of my face." Like, there are so many good ones. I just, uh, what other questions can we ask ourselves? How do you heal from conversations about race? I feel like that's something mm. that wasn't addressed. In this book. Yeah. That I think is real important. Hmm. So, like, let's say we have a conversation about race and it didn't go well. I think I heal by letting them know it didn't go well. <laughs> like, I, I, cause I think to, <laughs> one of the things that I feel like is easy to do is become an appeaser, right? So you just kind of like, so easy. You know, like, especially when you're like worn from the conversation. So it's like, okay, let's just, move into like, okay, cool, like, you know, glad we had that conversation kind of thing. And I think it's a lot better for me if I end the conversation with, I don't think that you've been listening um, and really actively listening to, you know, the points that I had. And I um, I don't think this was a productive use of our time. So I would like to stop engaging at this time. And I don't want you to re-engage me unless I decide that I'd like to re-engage with you on this subject. Um because then it gives you at least some control over how poorly it went. Um, and you don't have to feel like, I feel like it also just like eliminates the guilt from me um, feeling like, oh, I could have done more to make it go better or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a part. And then after that, like, it's just like, man, I haven't had like a bad conversation about race recently because I've just stopped engaging. So I'm trying to think like, what would I do? Like, honestly, I would just move about my day. Uh, like I would listen to a lot of music because music always centers me. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. We encounter these things so unpredictably and so often that like, I don't, it's not like I have time to set aside to then properly heal from that interaction. But I guess venting with my um, my, you know, like black friends. Mm. about the experience because then it also helps be like oh yes I went through that too or you know like oh none of that actually matters because you're amazing you know like stuff like that you talk to your friends about it and they they always make you feel better no that was like something that I had to work through a lot because I have been reading a lot of like this information I was like oh but how do I heal from it like what are things that I can do to like make myself more not presentable, but, like, be able to show up for other things. Because, like, once I have a conversation about race at work, Mm -hmm. like, the rest of my week is shot. Like, I'm tired. I'm like, Mm. why am I here? None of these white people care about my existence. None of them care about my opinion. If they do care about my opinion, they're not really hearing me. They're, like, 
hearing the pieces that they want to take so they can like move forward and move the needle forward enough to be like, I'm doing racial equity work in a radical way. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, you're not. And the reason why it's not is because there's so many organizations that do not get paid and get no funding to do this work because nobody's funding radical work. So like I get really frustrated. But um <laughs> I just like I have the algorithm. I know the truth. And I can't do anything about it because I ain't got no money. But one day, one day she will. She will be able to. <laughs> um, so I literally go home and I vent to, I think it's, mm, I don't know if this is for everyone. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I don't know if this is for everyone. I have a white partner. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Scream. Uh, I have a white partner. His yeah. name is Josh. We know. He's, we all know this. Um, <laughs> he lets me go off. And like he lets you. Mm, I don't think anybody should want to be bombarded with things that they have not done to me individually. <laughs> when I'm just like, I hate white people because they do X, Y, and Z, and you're a white person, so let me get mad about it. And he's like, I think that there's like different levels of white people when it comes to like venting about racial equity. And you're never going to get like a white person who's like, oh, like you're at the level of me venting to a black person who's going to be able to coddle me and, like, get me to that process. I mean, you can't vent to a white person and expect to be the same experience of venting to a black person who's gone through it, you know? Exactly. And so, like, I also still vent to black people. But when I, like, (laughs) don't have access to black people, I'm, like, yelling at Josh. And Josh is like, yes, white people are trash. I hate white people. That's what Christina does for me. Right. Like, we have those white friends (laughs) who are, like— Yes, white people are the absolute worst, yes. and we can acknowledge that and still be white and not get butthurt about it. Yeah. And that is the part that is very, very adequate to me is, like, when I'm yelling at you and I'm telling you whiteness sucks, if you're going to be like, uh, but Isaac, what about me? No, it's no, like, die. hashtag not all white people. I literally, uh-huh. like, not, like, all men are trash, and we can actively acknowledge yeah, that. we can actively All that. white people are trash, and we can actively acknowledge that. Right, like, right. I had a young person tell me this and was like, it's not that, like, you literally are, like, trash. When people say you're trash, it's not that you're, like, literally actually trash. It's that you literally grew up in a society where you were, like, in a stew. And, like, everything that this society has brought for you has been soaked into your body. And, therefore, the the juicy piece of privilege that you are is what we're fucking mad about. It's and a juicy piece of trash? It's a juicy piece of trash. Oof. And that's the fact. And, like, as much as you can be like, well, I'm not actually like it. I try really, really hard to dismantle. You can try as much as you want to. And you're still a juicy piece of trash. That took me on a ride, to be honest. There was trash there was soaking there was juice you know Mm. there was a lot of visuals at one point you said stew and i thought that's a good thing and you know you took me swirling through with the stew (laughs) through this this trash this dumpster um you know i tell people that they're trash i mean you're literal trash (laughs) truly i mean you're garbage um Anyway, last question let's do it what should you and others do after conversations around race like around hard questions and conversations in general. What should we do? What should you do? You mean like aftercare around like hard conversations or like what should like white people do on their own? What should we do on our own? What should we do as community? What What's our responsibility? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. What's our responsibility? Come on, find me. No, the I was words. just I was just trying to really dig into what you meant by that cuz we just talked about healing. Um and my <laughs> mind already went there and I was like, "Wait, we did that." So um, let's start with white people. 
why people should read more. Yes. Why people should probably start hanging out with more people who don't look like them. Yes. And not just rely on the one black person in their space. Yes. Um, what other things can white people do? White people can talk to other people, yes. other white people, about what they learned so that they can spread all that juicy goodness. Not the trash part, but what you learned <laughs> to other people. Because I feel like if a black person has gone through all the trouble to educate you on something, the least you could do is educate like five other white people <laughs> at least five. about that one thing. Just keep spreading to every other white person you meet. You meet so many. There's They're so many everywhere. Tell them all. Create a flyer for that group of people. <laughs> Stick it in backpacks, you know? That would be kind of cool, right? That would be cute. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much you can do. There's so much, so many creative things to like spread some seeds of knowledge. White <laughs> supremacy dismantling backpacks. Trademark. <laughs> there's just a lot going on. Anyway. Um, what else? What should black people do after hard conversations? Uh, Relax. Like get into community. Relax. Like literally calm down. <laughs> like, chill. chill. Maybe, like find some time, find some time for rest, whatever that means for you. Yes, whatever that means for you. Um, if that involves being around other people of color, do that. Mm -hmm. Um, if it involves being around like other black people, do that. Um, don't rely on like intersectional, like intersectionalized minorities within that community group. So like black men do not rely on black women to like solve your problems when Ooh. you're experiencing racism um, from white men and white women. Do not go to black women and be like, solve my problems. Because the thing is like oppressing other groups of people within your community, like that like interpersonal like work does not rely on the most marginalized in your community. So make sure you don't do that shit. Just don't do that shit. Because um, we don't want to hear it either. Act actively. Because you have to experience that on top of the misogyny. Misogyny noir. A word that you should look up that I'm not going to define for you. I'd never. I just like to drop it and see what happens. Right? Reach for your phone. Google it. I don't have time for it. Mm -mm. And like, yes, and like, like I said earlier, black trans women are dying at a disproportionately rate. Like, no, I'm not going to say dying. Being murdered at disproportional rates in our society. So don't go to them. They just trying to fucking survive and not get fucking murdered. Truly. So <laughs> survive. Just like thrive. <laughs> if you have to possibly in any scenario run away from some white people and quit your job and like find like a space that like works for you, do that shit. That is this is me telling you to quit your job if it's not working right now. Yeah, and also keep in mind that you will likely encounter some more white bullshit. No matter where, you, where go. you go, but you can get out of your immediate situation. I've done that numerous times. It is helpful. And it is nice. Go to another place and do what you can and then, Dip you know, down. leave whenever you got to. <laughs> leave whenever you got to. Because eventually they're going to get over, they're going to get tired of your black ass. Truly. Brown <laughs> ass, whatever ass you have that is not white. They will get tired <laughs> of you and they will try and burn you down. So Say. you got to get out when you can. You know, just like, just like stay, stay ready so you don't ever have to get ready. Okay. Just like, that's what I would say. I would say that for black people <laughs> everywhere. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Most of you already do. I'm just saying it's, it's an important lesson in this, in this case. If you don't know, now you know. Mm. Hey, Nadia. Hey, Isaac. Guess who's at the table? 
girl tell me? <gasps> Noelle. Noelle. I'm at the table. Yes. yes! Our I girl love Noelle that. is at the table. Hello, Noelle. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. Just got finished teaching my four classes for today. So four classes in what? Tell us everything. Oh, um, I teach dance to the young people. Come on, young people. Um, I also teach dance to the the more seasoned people. Season sounds nice. Yeah. I like to yeah. describe myself as pre-seasoned. I'm, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I feel that though. I'm like one of those medium seasonings, not like too heavy, not too light. You know, yes. just right in there. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That's where nice. do you where do you do this at? Uh, so I get the privilege of teaching at two different studios, uh, like consistently. So mm-hmm. I teach up in Bothell at Washington School of Dance. Cool. Okay. And then I get to teach at the lovely Exit Space which is um, located on Green Lake. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty close and yes. it's it's enjoyable and I just get to like I said work with like young ones like 3 years old oh my all the way up to I mean I have a student who legitimately is like 56. Love so, that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a Definitely, like, joyful experience. Yeah. What kind mm-hmm. of dance? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I teach a lot of dance, actually. Mm-hmm. So I teach a couple of hip-hop classes. Nice. Um, I get to teach creative movement, mm-hmm. which is, like, when you get to bounce around like bunnies with three-year-olds, which is fun. I love that. It's fun. I want to do creative <laughs> movement with three-year-olds. I like, love creative movement. You should actually come to the class, be in the class. I'd love to be in like, the class. Like, do, do the class. It's it's do incredible. You, so I can do this class with three-year-olds. I mean, you shouldn't. It's kind of not, like, recommended, but I'm saying. <laughs> it's not recommended. It is an experience. <laughs> I, I would just, like to attempt. It's an experience. I feel like I, like I could attempt. use some creativity, like, channel it from my three-year-old yeah. peers. Like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. what. Peers is exactly how I would describe yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the same level because most of the time. I feel like they might be a little bit more advanced. They've had some practice. <laughs> I want to move freely with them, but not feel too judged. And I they won't I'll, judge us. I think I'll buddy up with somebody. Uh, don't underestimate a three-year-old. <laughs> they are super judgy. I was like, my niece is three. Super judgy. She always oh, gives no. me notes. Oh, and if they can speak, most definitely they'll yes. give you notes. Yes. So I get to teach that. And <laughs> I also uh, teach like pre-ballet tap. Oh, but wow. I cool. went to school for... Um, I mean, I got a degree in dance, so, like, I have mm-hmm. training in ballet, modern, and jazz. Okay. Um, so sometimes I teach an Afro-modern class, which is fun. Ooh. And I, I like how we both looked at each other, like, we're going to take that one. We're going to take that <laughs> class that after class the bunny hop. Um, <laughs> it's definitely at 7 p.m. every Thursday at the Exit Space Studios. So That's not that far. That's an ideal time. Yeah. I can get 7 there. p.m. Okay. We're going to do it. Come through. We're going to do it. It's, an, it's great. But Isaac... Why do we have our dear friend Noelle on no, the show? Noelle has a show. Girl! Coming up. <laughs> When's this show? Soon. Tell us about this show, Noelle. Oh, okay, so in order to tell you about this show, I should probably tell you what kind of show. Yes, That's of good, because nobody knows at this point. No, They're on the edge of their no seat. Knows. Everybody's uh, shaking right now. <laughs> They're like listening, like, uh, let me, probably let me at work, like you. at work typing. Like, <laughs> no, oh they just gosh. stopped typing that email because they're trying to zero in on this show. Stop. <laughs> um, so I get the privilege, and it is a privilege, to run a very young multidisciplinary arts organization. Mm-hmm. While here in Seattle, Price Arts okay. has a dance project called New. So it's the Never Ending Work Dance Project. Ooh. Mm-hmm. We thought we were clever. It is clever. We love New. 
Yeah. We love new. I love new everything. New everything. (laughs) I'm into that. Luxury. Um, (laughs) Yes. And then if we want to talk about um, like a new work that we're doing, I usually use the word fresh. I'm Mm. like, we're creating a fresh work. Because if you use new too many times, it just gets a little boring. Right. But Mm -hmm. fresh. Fresh. That keeps Opulent. Clean. Oh. Oh. Crisp. Delicate. Mm. (laughs) Come Mm. on, words. I love that. I love all of that. Uh. (laughs) So on October 11th and 12th, New is doing a dance gala. Oh. uh, And it's going to be at the Erickson Theater, Mm. 7 p.m., October 11th and 12th. So that's a Friday, Saturday. Okay. And we're just going to have a good time. This one is actually a mixed rep work. Okay. So last year... I did a full-length work, which just mm-hmm. means you're there for, like, 45 minutes to two hours <laughs> for, like, an, an entire That's a range. piece that kind of has a through line. This Wait, particular, so you're dancing for 45 to two hours? Uh, if you're So that's the term, like, full-length work in the dance okay. community. Like, huh. you know, full-length means that there's one piece with a uh, singular you know, mission or view okay. or, you know, like through line. I like that. And then you're dancing for about 45 minutes to some, yeah, you can, it can be two hours. Um, I love two hour full length things. Yeah, absolutely. As lo- Yeah, as long as they're um, good and. Right. <laughs> as long as it's an enjoyable experience for yeah. every party involved. Yeah, absolutely. I knew we were there. I just didn't know we were there there. Okay. <laughs> I thought that you would know that we were there there before I would get there. I was running to catch up with you. Oh, running, no. <laughs> running, sprinting. <laughs> so, uh, what is this that we are, like? This project? That you're yeah. Doing? So, this is Price Art's second year with their mm-hmm. dance performance project, is what okay. I call it. Um, so, like I said last year, we were able to produce a full-length work that had a lot to do with bringing awareness to the unfortunate reality of teen suicide that's Mm. been, I don't even know if it's been on the rise or if just more visibility has been available to us. Um, Similar to like police brutality. Mm -hmm. It's not that it was on the rise. It's just we had so much more accessibility to it um, with our media and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we did a work about that. And so this year I was wondering how do we keep that ball rolling and how do we keep... um, our audience invested in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, I I believe in the show, there's two works that I set. Mm-hmm. There's a work that my company members have set. Nice. Uh, so I work with Elijah, Elijah Kurt. He's a community dancer, Tessa mm-hmm. Benyales, um, Melissa, and Avana Lynn. We're not going to go back to Melissa's last name. Oh. <sighs> Crinky. Hmm. We'll have to talk about that, Melissa and I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow, controversy on the table pile. When you don't know your bestie's last name. The thing is, we are going to post all of those names along with this podcast. Great, Yes, of course. That's the only way that we're going to do that. Because I'm not going to lie to you. It took me Mm -hmm. a month and a half Mm -hmm. to figure out how to spell a mothadon. That's real. Excuse me? Yeah. It sounds like it's spelled E-Ma-Fi-Don. I can't be any more clear. Nigerians can't do any more. I'm saying you guys are making me feel real good about that glitch. I was like, hmm, you don't know that. It's Uh, okay. We all, like this, we're live. We're live. (laughs) So they 
they created a work, which is great. And then we actually were able to bring in a guest choreographer this Ooh. year. Um, so That's we had awesome. a resident choreographer with our company. Mm-hmm. And they, um, Ethan Rome of 4th and in Rome, which is another dance company okay. that is in our city. Um, they created a work for us that I'm very excited to share. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, so, again, it was just that conversation of how do you keep this ball rolling? Because I don't believe that I always have a creative vision mm-hmm. for every year. But as the artistic director, I'm like, mm, I believe our audience will be looking for something. And longevity of this company is what I'm interested in. Right. So um, that was what I was able to do. So we're just going to do a show with all of these different works in it. And we're also bringing in um, a youth company, okay, Kaleidoscope. Amazing. Uh, from CDC Creative Dance Center. Yeah, you do. We are super excited to invite them. I had the opportunity to work with them, I believe it was earlier this year, with Kaleidoscope. Mm. So I set a work on them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bring that as well as a that. duet that they that two of the youth made themselves. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, the babies. <laughs> Y'all better go. It'll be show. good. Y'all better I'm go to the show. Okay, so where can we get tickets? What are the things? Yeah, so the things again. October 11th and 12th is mm. when you want to be at the Erickson Theater off Broadway, going to see Hatch, which is a multi rep performance mm-hmm. uh, tickets are available at www.pricearts.co so that's p-r-i-c-e-a-r-t-s dot c-o not com um, oh come on not com not com we're in adjacent <laughs> That's we right. don't play with M's. We don't, we don't, we don't mess wanna, with M's. We don't even want to hear like that. the M's. Not in this studio. Nope. Not today. Never. Okay, mm. real talk, pricearts.com was just taken. And I was like, uh-uh, I will have what I desire. So therefore, you go around the mountain instead of being like, it's a big mountain. I can't, you know, see over it. So it's like you go around the mountain. Resourceful as fuck. You know, I'm about do the to thing. See pricearts.co. Dot co. Dot uh-huh, don't even uh-huh. look at com. Don't look at com. We don't know who that is. We don't no. know her. And we yeah. don't mess with them. We don't know her. They're not on this pod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's also Never. just say, community, don't play. Like, if you don't see it when it first pops up, go to the thing that says events. Events. Mm. Then you'll see the thing that says Hatch Gala. Go. And then you'll be like, tickets. You press that link and you Click. buy them. As soon as you can. It's a it's a intimate theater mm-hmm. you know okay. so there are seats but i mean get your tickets yeah. we we want to share this work with you yes. um i believe that those dancers have worked so hard and it's been incredible like i said taking a step back and watching them work right, right? Mm-hmm. um i was really trying to again create sustainable resources and things for mm-hmm. us this year so they put in a lot of work in the studio that I wasn't necessarily involved in. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible as an artistic director to be able to walk out of the room and know that things were getting done. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they are such powerful movers mm-hmm. and just brilliant thinkers in terms of what they're able to create um, inside of that room. So. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm so excited Ooh, to go. What are your socials so people can follow you Ooh. on your journey? Ooh. Right. <laughs> they gotta like look, we can only do so much. We know all the information that we're gonna put in the description. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a link to not only the website, but mm-hmm. also just directly to the ticket page. Oh, yes. Because yeah, I'm not about to play with these guys. No, seriously, there mm-hmm. is a link directly to the ticket page. And yes, we're gonna get um, that. So my social is 
I believe it's noel.price7. So that's how you can find me on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook, Noel Price. Um, in O E L L E, in case mm-hmm. anyone was wondering. Also, yes, come on, spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Price Arts underscore is the one for Price Arts. If you want to follow us on the Instagrams, uh-huh. or if you want to follow us on the Facebooks, then you just go to Price Arts, and it's usually like capital Price, lowercase Arts. But I don't mm-hmm. think that that matters. I think we'll find it. We'll mm-hmm. find it. Look, these were all be linked yes mm. at the bottom of this it'll be on our Instagram mm-hmm. it'll be on our Twitter on Twitter I tried to make a birdie sound it didn't happen <laughs> I mean appreciate the attempt though thank you I do oh I do what I can yes. okay fire round mm. what's your favorite color <gasps> green mm. what's your favorite question. musician Wow, I really hit a, st- I struck a chord. You did, I don't know. Oh, right now, right now in this moment, like, who we've been listening to a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say their name. The last oh. thing is 47. Who's that human's name? LaKayle 47. It's LaKayle? Oh. Yes, yes, it's LaKayle. never known how to, I'd be like, Leaky 47. <laughs> at least, at least today we figured it out. LaKayle 47. 47. 47. Now, I wouldn't, I don't think they're a musician. I think that's the music that I've been listening to because I've literally been on my, like, Boss ish. I'm I'm having a hard yeah. It's it's so what I'm like growing. I got an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Yeah, I do. Also, I like the one where she's like money. Yeah, I got money. I be rolling around with a negative fourteen dollars in my account. Like I got money. That song will make you feel like oh yeah, you have a coin. I'm all of the money. Yeah, all the money. Anything that you need. The one with that song. Yeah, that's Mm. great. Wow, that was good. That makes me happy. So, when you are, like, having maybe, like, a low moment, what Mm -hmm. do you do to take care of yourself? This is such an important question. Mm -hmm. I am still learning what to do to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And that one actually is an important question because I've been dealing a lot with low days. Yes. Um... And learning that my low days are real mm-hmm. and that they're valid mm-hmm. and that they have to be addressed. Yes. So I can sometimes acknowledge where I am and I'll either reach out and say, hey, I need some community. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go to the people that I need or if it's really bad, I'll say, hey, please come here. Mm-hmm. And usually... The few that I can trust, they honor that, and they're like, I'm on my way, which mm-hmm. has been really helpful yeah. lately. Um, sometimes I color. Mm. Oh, I love that. And then sometimes I, I have to just, I have to go there. I listen to praise music. Oh. Whoa. Look. Uh, it takes me where I need to be. I recently got back into listening to some praise music, mm-hmm. and I was having a bad day. And you know what? I turned on some Kirk Franklin, mm. and that woo, today's a new day. You can't, today's you can't, a new day. Not listen and there's to no Kirk sunshine. Franklin and not feel happy. That's yeah. the only thing he's willing to offer you. <laughs> God. He's like, I have so much to give, oh. and it is your happiness. Like yeah. that's. I just yeah, was like, that's oh, real. yeah, I was having yeah. a day. And I really turned on that mm-hmm. Kirk Franklin, and I was just like. Woo, I forgot I was raised in the church. Like, I'm smooth. Sometimes you like, forget. I yes. had to come back. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I remember this song used to get me at the grade age of 12. 12. 12. Great 12. age. Great age of 12. You'd be feeling the Holy Ghost at 12. It's, at 12. But that's when he's the most real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You'd be Absolutely. like, 
He's with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think those are some things that I've been doing is really being um, intentional about the way I'm reaching out and who I'm reaching out to because not everyone's able to uh, support you in in your low moments. And that's something for you to know and something for them to know. So they have to be able to set their boundaries as well. Yes. And be like, no, actually, I'm not the one you come to in this moment. Absolutely. And you go, okay, I respect (laughs) that. And I'll keep our friendship where it is. And you know who you can reach out to. and then, yeah, you start doing the affirmation talk where you're like, you don't have to have a panic attack right now. Uh-huh. You don't have to give in to this. Mm-hmm. I did it once successfully, and I actually stopped a panic attack. It was incredible. Wow. I've never had a conversation with myself before I had a panic attack. I was no, like, it wasn't this before. This is coming. Oh. It was during. During. During? Like, it had, like, it's like started. Yeah, you and I was it. like, stop it! Yeah. <laughs> I stopped it in its track. Wow. It was it was present. Come on. I, that is I need good to do some more. That is yeah. good mindfulness I, practice. I'd be like, here it comes. Let's go. <laughs> it's a ride. <laughs> Let's get on it. Uh, Let's ride this ride. But even that is like preparing for it, right? Like right. You're so aware. You're like, this is coming, and I'm going to be in this. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to do this right now. <laughs> no, no, you're not going to do this right Not in front of my peers. Like every yeah. time. Not in front of And yeah. then it's just like. three-year-old peers. It's like my three-year-old yeah. peers. Not while I bunny hop. <laughs> And move creatively. We're all throwing tantrums in there. Let's <laughs> let's be real. Crying and peeing a little bit. Just, uh, on just a little. Peeing a little bit. <laughs> just, just a little, little bit. bit. Just We're not bit. always ready in that space. I sneezed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One more question. One more question. Yeah. What's one little thing that anybody could do for you to bring you some joy? Mm, good question. I just thought, you know, because then people could listen and do nice things for Noelle. <laughs> Come on. Wow, that's hard. I have one. Okay. Come to your show. Oh, yes. That's so little. (laughs) Go to her show. Go to my show. I think the truth is I've been in a place where I'm looking at my other peers, not not the three-year-olds, the other people creating (laughs) dance works or just creating art or like you guys, like trailblazing, doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking and I'm like, what can I do when I'm not able to physically show up? Mm -hmm. And that's a text message. Hey, and honesty. I'm not coming to your show. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that I do support you. Mm-hmm. And I am sitting here thinking of you. And if you do, praying for you mm-hmm. in this moment, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing. I'm so excited to be a part of this. This is not my weekend to come and see you. Mm-hmm. And I can handle that, right? I sent yeah. out one of those text messages um, earlier today. I was like, I'm not making it to that event that you keep inviting me to. Not because I don't want to go, but because I don't have the capacity to go right now, be it financial or emotionally. Mm -hmm. I love you so much. And I'm so excited that you're doing this work. Can't wait till I can be there. Mm. I love that. Honesty is the biggest thing for me right now. Be honest. I love that. And I have a friend, actually, one of our friends, Nia, has reached out to me on numerous occasions to say, like, Oh, I saw that you're going to be speaking at this event, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited about that. Yeah. And I have this event happening at mm-hmm. the same time. But I wanted to let you yes. know that I love yes. that you're out there doing. It. She does this. All, she's done this at least two or three times and left voicemails. Doesn't it feel good? It though? feels so good because then usually, like in the, like right before I have an event, I'm in like a very like mm-hmm. anxious state of mind right. anyway. Mm-hmm. So like listening to it and not feeling like I need to call or whatever, it's oh, like yeah. you're just like oh. Good words, like good yes. energy to bring me through this show, right. you know? And I love that. I love that. That was great. One yeah. of the biggest things for me, though, is I've I've gotten into that culture as well of looking at someone and saying, oh, I'm going to be there or even that. Yeah. I'm going to try. And the truth is I've already decided in my heart I can't go to that 
Right. right. Because I'm either I'm not in an emotional place or in a financial place or just like yeah. I do have something else booked. Right. And so rather than perpetuating that culture of I'm going to be there, girl, if I can, mm-hmm. just being straight up, this one isn't the one for me. And I'm I'm actually sorry to miss this. But yeah. like I cannot wait until you do something else. And I see you. I respect that. And I'm I'm there for you. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that because I don't think it's and I think you're right like this. There, there's just so much pressure for people to come up with something to say that's not just right. the truth. The which truth. is not, which is never a big deal. Like if you can't, because I've had a lot of friends. Like it's like a housewarming or something. You have something day of, and a friend's like, "I just can't make it. I have this going on." And I'm like, "Girl, it is fine. Yeah, like I am absolutely. I am happy you texted me. Yeah, because now I know you're not going to be here, and I know that you're doing what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's never going to bother me if someone mm-hmm. tells me that they can't be there. I would agree with that. Yeah. No, it's like one of my favorite things about being friends with Nadia mm-hmm. is that when I'm like Nadia, hey, this thing is going on. Nadia's like, I can't do this, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Have a good day. What do you yes. need from me? Yes. Like, what do you need Every from time. me? Like, what can I do <laughs> yes. to make sure that you, like, don't have to come to this thing, but I also yeah. will get you food? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, yeah. very simple, very quick. And I just, I think that, like, to take care of each other, like, this, th- we are a room full of black folks. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and it feels good. It feels good. Tell you. This like, studio looks real good right it now. It feels good. good. <laughs> um, but, like, just, like, to know that, like, we are here for each other mm-hmm. and, like, Knowing that, like, there is so much shit going on in this world. I cannot show up to everything. Sometimes no. I got to stay home and watch anime. Thank you. Yeah. And Nadia knows. Nadia be texting me and be like, I have to go watch some anime. Go watch some anime. Go watch some anime. It's some time. I see, like, a, t- a Twitter rant and I'm like, I'm just checking in thinking you need to watch mm. some anime. <laughs> <laughs> know what works for you is all like, I have to I'll say. I'll be like, I will do that. Mm. I will do that. And I do do it. Mm. I do I do, do it. Do. <laughs> like, I do go. I'll be like, Nadia said I can watch anime and so therefore I will. Mm. No, it's true. I do like have I do tell Isaac when I can't be at things and then Isaac will then help me through the guilt of me not being there because I get I feel so guilty and it he's like is this is place. this is the reason why you don't have to be there. And I'm just like, yeah, but Isaac <laughs> this is why I should. And then we go back and forth until I feel at peace. Right. And he can go do that. And I will still be like, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I gotta I go, to go to it. Do it. I'm going to I have to, to go it. do it. And it's like we don't need to be upset at our friends. Like, no, they're not mad no. at you. If they are mad at you, are they your friend? You got to check that <laughs> like, friendship. You, yeah. you got to check that. I have to have a combo. Mm-hmm. So, Noel. Yes. Please come back. Oh, I want to come back. Please this, come back. Being at the table uh, has been Isn't it a nice tablecloth? Incredible. We, we haven't so had to talk nice. about this tablecloth. Isn't this a cute it's tablecloth? Nice. I love it. I love it's it. It's fitting. It feels good. It feels good. Yeah, I, I want to come back. Yes. Yeah. Well, you are more than welcome at any time. Very cool. You know how to reach us. We know how to reach you. Yes. Do those socials one more time just for the people to know. (laughs) Noelle.price7. Seven. Seven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Price Arts underscore on the IGs. Also, uh, Price Arts on Facebook and Noelle Price on Facebook. N-O-E-L-L-E. Come mm. on. Lovely. I'm living for it. You know Lovely what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to that over and over again. Mm. Just be like, yes. It's like ASMR. Yeah. This is what Just I the repetition <laughs> of her socials. Right. Not social so security good. number, but social media. Yeah. Come on. Make it clear. I just don't want people to be thinking they could steal identities on this podcast. <laughs> we don't do that here. It's not cool. <laughs>
Can I get a to-go late? To-go late. It's time. It's, it's time. time to collect those little nuggets. Not chicken nuggets, but nuggets of information. That are going to help us get off to the next step. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... What exactly are we talking about? I mean, like, we need to talk about it. We need to like, talk about it. I don't feel like I want to do that in front of a whole audience like that. Nobody can see us. You're not being truthful, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel can see us. Which, speaking of Daniel, oh please tell me about Daniel. Let's talk about Daniel. So, one, we're not going to talk about what Daniel is wearing, Mm-mm. but when we were trying to schedule today's episode, yes, Daniel sent mm-hmm. a very interesting word. To us an in email, our email. An email in our black ass inboxes. And the word was. Mm, please tell us. Yee-haw. Yee-haw. Like, think about it. It's a word. If you were going to like define that word, right? Mm-hmm. I would say it's jubilation. <gasps> That's a good word. For, you know, maybe white people. <laughs> <laughs> There is black cowboys. Let's make that very clear. I don't. I never said there wasn't. But I want to make sure like that maybe we know black that black cowboys <laughs> celebrate differently. Maybe they feel jubilation in another way mm. through another word. I don't know. I actually have no experience in the cowboy, cow gal, cow person world. I don't. I, I really don't. Like that's just not an experience. Um, that I have access to. But it was really, it was like one of those things where like, we got the email and I was like, Nadia. <laughs> I texted Nadia very swiftly. I was yeah. like, yeehaw? Question mark? And Nadia's like, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that something like that could happen to us. But I'm not going to lie, it's now in my everyday vocabulary. You use it all the time? I do. I said yeehaw at work today and people were shook. Did they get excited? They did. It is a jubilation. <laughs> it's a good word. It's a good word. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like I could probably use it at the very end of a meeting to inspire people to work faster. Yeah. Like, we get done, we get done with the meeting, it's like, okay, yeehaw! Like, <laughs> like yeehaw, team! Like, it's like, I don't know, it feels like it could work. It feels like it could work. Right. So instead of describing Daniel, who is the most beautiful person and one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. In the world. Instead of describing their wardrobe, we described Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Which we are now going to sign off all of our episodes with a rowdy Yeehaw. Yeehaw.